fearfully and wonderfully made. I have a confession this morning. I'm a little distracted. Um, for many of you who may have been here June the 1st, which was a Sunday, I announced that that morning our uh, daughter was in labor and about to deliver a grandson. Well, this morning the same thing is happening. Uh, our daughter-in-law is now in labor at the hospital in Nashville, Tennessee. So I've got my phone right here on stun, and I'm waiting to hear the news. And if it's anything like our grandson, Nolan, he timed it perfectly right at the end of worship, uh, which was also a communion Sunday. So uh, I don't know what the Lord is up to. Maybe they're going to be preachers. I don't know. But fearfully and wonderfully made, I've got to tell you, we are thankful this morning. As we turn our attention to the Gospel of Matthew, this is Epiphany Sunday, and this text is the story of the Magi, the wise men from the East, who, t- who come to pay homage to Christ, the newborn King. I invite you to listen for God's Word. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who's been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and we've come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. Well, they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, For so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to be shepherd of my people Israel. Well, then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. And then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out. And there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. And on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary's mother, and they knelt down and they paid him homage. And then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. Gracious and loving God, as this new year begins, we turn once again to your word and seek to hear its truth. As we seek to orient our lives by your reality and presence. Speak to us now as only a living God can. For we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Well, we come to Epiphany, which is another feast day, like I need more feasting after the last month. 
But faith in Christ has always been about mission. Never more true than in the Gospel of Matthew. And today on Epiphany, we celebrate the mission of the church to the Gentiles. The expansion of the gospel beyond the chosen people to all people. We celebrate the universality of the gospel today. The expansion of faith begins with this visit of the Magi to the child Jesus born to be the ruler of all. Now I like a quote from the former Archbishop of Canterbury, the head of the Anglican Communion worldwide, which is probably 75 million people throughout the world. And he puts it this way, it's not the church of God that has a mission, but the God of mission who has a church. An interesting twist on that, that the mission of the church from the very beginning has been this expansion that we read about here in the Gospel of Matthew. This time of year where we take stock of our lives and we cut our losses and we redirect our lives towards new goals and renewed commitments, maybe it would be important to begin this new year with a little humility asking for God's help and direction. Not long ago, it was the 10th day of our trip to the Holy Land in April and May. We crossed from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. It was a seven-mile bus journey, but they were worlds apart. Separated by a wall created and existing between Israelis and Palestinians. Our Jewish guide, Eric, was not allowed in Section A of the Palestinian area. So we had to drop him off on one side of the wall, and we picked up our Palestinian guide named Johnny. Today, only 1% to 2% of the population in that country is Christian. Most have fled due to the conflict caught in the crossfire. This past year here at the church, I officiated at a funeral for Leila Michelani, a member of our congregation who was born in Jerusalem with her family but had to flee back in the 1940s. They fled to Beirut only to have to flee from there in the 1970s during a civil war in Lebanon. While in Bethlehem in April and May, we visited the Church of the Nativity. Three congregations worship there and share the same space. One church is Orthodox, another is Roman Catholic, and the third is Armenian. I'm sorry to say that according to our guide, Johnny, they don't always get along very well. In fact, three years ago at Christmas time, 
the Orthodox and the Armenian clergy came to blows and had a broom fight. I actually, encouraged by our guide, went online on YouTube, and you can do the same, and you can see the broom fight at the Church of the Nativity. They had to be separated by Palestinian police. Our little group went into a small room there in the Church of the Nativity, and we sang a verse of O Little Town of Bethlehem. But I was struck by the contrast between the hopes and fears of all the years met in thee tonight and the reality of what's happening today. The church was built there on that place where it is believed that Jesus was actually born in Bethlehem. And under the altar of the church is what is known as the grotto, which is believed to be the cave where Jesus was born. The church was built first in the 4th century by Constantine and his mother, Helena. It was destroyed by fire in a revolt in the 6th century, and it was rebuilt by Justinian in that same century. And in the 7th century, when the Persians invaded, they chose not to destroy the Church of the Nativity. Typically, when they invaded, they would destroy all the religious symbols. But because the Church of the Nativity had within it depictions of three magi wearing Persian clothing, they decided not to destroy the Church of the Nativity. It's one of the few churches that still stands and dates back to that period long before the Crusades. Now, Here's the interesting thing about the church. They have what's called a door of humility. The main entrance to the church is only about five feet tall. So everyone has to bow as they go into the church. It's a visible and it's a very tangible reminder that you're entering a holy place. And the appropriate response to that entrance is to bow in humility. I couldn't help but think sometimes my life feels a little bit like that church. Sometimes I begin with humility, but then pick up a broom and start swinging. Sometimes the shortest distance to travel, like going from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, is the most difficult and precarious. Like traveling from my side of the dinner table to my wife's on some days. Or traveling from our home to my in-laws. Sometimes I begin with humility only to lash out. And I'm reminded of the words of Jesus, it's not what goes into you that makes you unclean, it's what comes out of you. I begin well enough, but then sometimes the way I talk about people or the way I reject them or the way I avoid them, even within my own family, it reveals 
what I'm really like. So this Epiphany Sunday is a day of great celebration, especially for those in the Orthodox churches. The story in Matthew of the Magi coming from the East to visit Jesus as a child quickly took on additional dimensions, especially in the Eastern churches. There were three gifts, according to the Scripture. So the tradition embellished the story, which included three magi. Since these gifts were fit for a king, they must have been three kings. Sometime later in the history of the church, they were given names. Melchior, king of Persia. Gaspar, king of India. And Balthazar, king of Arabia. All of this is unsubstantiated by the text that I just read, of course. But the point was simply that this child born to be king of the Jews drew the attention of the entire world. And here at the beginning of the very first gospel in the New Testament, it prefigures the great commission that is to come. Go. Go now and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Magi were the first Gentiles to proclaim the faith, to pay homage, and bring their gifts before the Lord. But more would follow. Because this ruler, this child, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. In a world where religious and ethnic and racial and national differences threaten to destroy our lives, perhaps on this day of Epiphany, we might recover the illuminating truth that has been the basis for so much mission work in the church throughout the centuries. Simply this, God so loves the whole world that He gave His only Son so that whoever believes in Him, whosoever believes in Him, should not perish but have everlasting life. There is at the heart of our faith and from the very beginning of the gospel a recognition that faith in Jesus Christ is for the whole world and for every nation. The essence of the gospel is that God accepts us as we are on Christ's work alone. Not on the ground of what we have become or want to become or are trying to become. On the basis of Christ's work alone, God has accepted us. And that means that He's accepted our relations, our cultural understandings, our conditioning that makes us feel at home. And those who worship the Lord in completely different ways and speak different languages, they too are accepted. And the fact is, if we're going to worship this Lord correctly, we may just need those who are very different from us to join us 
in our worship. People who don't look like we do, who don't act like we do, who don't have the same assumptions, don't speak like we do. Because this is the Lord of all. If all we do as a church is hold communion together with those who come from the same economic class and live in the same neighborhood, then maybe we're not much more than a club. We don't really resemble the church of Jesus Christ and its universality. But if at the heart of who we are as a community of faith is this same Jesus who welcomed visitors from the East and continues to welcome strangers from everywhere else, then perhaps we're on the way to truly worshiping this Lord and truly becoming His church. It is the nature of our faith to reach out far and wide to welcome those who are far off. Perhaps you read this week in the newspaper, as I did, that the United Nations Security Council decided not to vote for Palestinian statehood. It was not unexpected that the vote would fail. Unable to come to terms with Israel, the Palestinians have chosen to seek statehood through a different means, through the United Nations. A two-state solution seems to be becoming increasingly remote and the conflict continues, especially in the West Bank. And so an even more provocative action was undertaken by President Mahmoud Abbas of the Palestinian Authority to join the International Criminal Court where it is hoped that Palestinians could bring charges against Israeli officials for military operations and cases against their settlement activities. All of it ratcheting up the tension, the anger, and the responses. And as this new year begins, it seems we're stuck in the same old patterns, lifting our brooms and attacking one another. But on this day of Epiphany, as we celebrate the coming of light to the nations and the coming of Christ, we must acknowledge it is still dark and seems to be getting darker in parts of the world. And it is my profound hope that the Christian community has more to offer the world than broom fights in the Church of the Nativity and the inability to resolve our own conflicts. So here's my suggestion as we begin this new year. Let us walk through the door of humility and bow as we do, confessing our sins to God that we might start over and start anew. Maybe we can begin again visibly and tangibly with greater humility, asking God's forgiveness for the ways in which we contribute to the world's brokenness and its disfigurement. 
And if we begin there, then maybe we will find new energy to work towards the way the world should be and can be. First, by acknowledging that our own efforts are insufficient and that apart from our Savior, Jesus Christ, we will not, we cannot attain unity and we will not and cannot overcome our differences. But by acknowledging that, maybe then we can also set our sights on attaining goals that are more than humanly possible. The goals that our Lord God has set for the entire creation. These wandering magi stepped out in faith, led by a light from heaven. And their faith led them to actual action in the world. They allowed themselves to be swept up in the movement of what God is doing in the world. It changed their direction. It changed their loyalties. And if we too would be wise, perhaps we too should first approach this Christ with humility with reverence, reevaluating our direction and our loyalties as well. That's what we're invited to do at this table. This is not the church's table, it's not a club gathering. This is the Lord's table. All who humbly put their trust in Christ are invited and encouraged to come to this table. And they will come from east and west and from north and south to sit at table in the kingdom of God. They'll come from Palestinians and Israelis. They'll come from India and Kenya, from Malawi and California and Mexico and Taiwan and China and Korea, from every nation. We're invited to come to be nourished by what Jesus the Christ alone gives to take up the task that he has given us. So let us come to this feast that Jesus Christ has prepared. Amen.